Well, good morning, Core Church. It is the final week of our I Like Giving series. If you haven't gotten this book, we have just a few of them left in the Next Steps room. They're just 10 bucks, uh, way discounted off of what you can get them off Amazon or anywhere else. But I encourage you to get this book. It is full of incredible stories of generosity. Brad Formsma and his team uh, putting this together. And when I got a hold of this book, it really just inspired me uh, for this entire series that we've done. And my hope through this series is that we as a church would become a place of generosity, that we would be known in our community as people of generosity. And so if you've not heard all of the series, I encourage you to go back uh, online, corechurch.com. You can listen to the entire series there. But we are in the final week, and today I want to talk to you about this. I like divine detours. I like divine detours. If you have a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3. If you have a paper Bible, that's about three-fourths of the way through your Bible. If you're new to church or you don't have a Bible, we have them. They're free and they're in the Next Steps room, or if you've got a mobile device, go to corechurch.com. You can download the Bible right there. And I read out of what's called the New Living Translation. So if you're in a mobile device, you're looking for NLT. Otherwise, it's not going to read the same. But the book of Acts is written by a guy named Luke. We talked about Luke last week, and Luke was not a disciple of Jesus, but he was one of Paul's companions. Paul, who started all of these churches and wrote all of these letters that we have in the New Testament, one of his companions was named Luke. And Luke, he went went around and gathered all these accounts of Jesus' life, and then he followed Paul around and some of the apostles, and he put together the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is the start of the church. So if you ever wonder why do we have church? What is the point of gathering every week and what's the deal with these people? I would encourage you to read through the book of Acts and you can get a picture of what the early church was about. Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to be and we're going to be reading about Peter and John. Now not to confuse the issue, I just talked about Luke, I talked about Paul, but let's talk about Peter and John. Peter and John, if you're new to church, were apostles of Jesus Christ. They followed Jesus for three years during his ministry, and Peter is the one who Jesus said, I'm going to start the church through you. John is the one who is Jesus's best friend. And this account that we're going to read today is far after the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus into heaven. The early church has started, and, and this is a description of one of the stories that happened after the church was birthed. So Chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in, and each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one that was called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said this, Hey, look at us. And the lame man looked up at them eagerly. He was expecting some money. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful that you have already been with us today. Thank you, God, for the stories of life change that we see happening in our church. So we thank you for these 
that have made that commitment to baptism, and we pray that you would watch over them, God, and guide them and help us as a church family to come alongside each one of these who've made this commitment to say, I'm going to partner with you and I'm going to help you. Help us now as we uh, look into your word. I want to ask you to pray for those around you. You don't have to do that out loud, but just you might know them, you might not. Just pray for the people around you right now. They'd be open to what God has to say to them, that we put all distractions aside and pray for yourself. And God, help me to hear. What do you want me to hear today out of this message? What's my takeaway out of this? And pray for me as your pastor that I would be faithful in these few minutes that we have together to speak what the Holy Spirit wants all of us to hear. All right, if you're ready to hear from the Lord in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. amen. All right, let's do that one more time. Big amen. amen. Who's happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Give me an amen. amen. All right, good. Glad you're here. I want you to write this down because here's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes, okay? Divine detours are an opportunity for a story to begin. Divine detours are an opportunity for a story to begin. That's what happened to me nine weeks ago. I was at the corner of 71st and Memorial. And I looked over and I saw a guy holding this sign right here. And that sign said this, if you can't read it, it says, Wife in ICU, St. Francis, pray, please. I saw his sign and looked at him and to be honest with you, I thought, is that another ploy for money? He's just trying to get additional money and didn't think much about it. It began to pull away and I... And I felt this stirring in me, and God began to have a conversation with me and, and, and said, you need to go back and you need to talk to that guy. And I was like, God, I, I don't have anything to give him. I, I have no money. I have no food. I have nothing I can give this guy. And, and so God and I began having this wrestling match for a couple of blocks, and finally I just relented. And I turned around, and I went back, and I was just really awkward because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say to this guy. I don't even know how I'm going to help him. I don't have any money. He's going to come up to the door. He's going to think I'm going to give him money, and I don't have any. And so... As I was pulling in to talk to him, this scripture from Acts 3 came to mind. I don't have any money, is what Peter and John said. But what I do have, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And so I pulled in and I began to have this conversation with him. And I told him, this, I said, I, I don't have any money. I just know it's maybe weird to you, but God just kind of prompted me to come in here and talk to you. And is your wife really in ICU? And he said, yeah, she is. And he told me what hospital and what room she was in. And I said, well... Could I go by and maybe pray for her? And uh, I just believe that maybe God wants me to pray for her to rise and walk. And he said, absolutely. And so we had a conversation. I had a chance to pray with him. And, and off I went to the hospital. Funny thing is, I was on my way to another appointment. I, was, I had another appointment I was supposed to be going to. And I had to kind of cancel that appointment, move that appointment around so I could get to the hospital. And I get to the hospital, I go up there, and I'm in the ICU unit, and I walk into this room, and, and she's laying in this room all by herself, and nobody's in there, no nurses, no family, no anyone, and she's completely unconscious, and she's got tubes inside. Um, she's just bre not breathing on her own. I look up at this, the chart, and I see that it's her name. And so I start having this conversation with her, and I, this is awkward because I don't know, what, what do I say? I, she's not talking back to me. And, and so I said, hey, I'm a pastor, and I kind of told her what I just told you, and I said, I'm I, I wanted to say, hey, can I pray for you? But, like, she had a choice in the matter. Uh, so I said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. And I, uh, I, I remember this, and some of you have heard me tell this story. I, I remember just putting my hand on her forehead, and my hand was freezing cold. And I remember when I put it on her forehead, I was like, oh, man, don't wake her up, which is what I wanted to happen. I don't know. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. So I prayed, and I just said, I pray that you would rise and walk. And I turned, and I left, and... It's like, man, God, what was that all about? And that began this nine-week journey between me and Bertha. 
And every week I would go up to the hospital, and I came up the next week, and she was, she was almost coming to. She still had all the tubes, but she wasn't doing well. And I prayed again that she would rise and walk. And I, and I came up a, a third time, and all of a sudden she had all the tubes out, and, and this is what I saw, her eyes open for the very first time. So, I, I, yeah, you can clap there. That's a good place to clap. So I told her who I was and, the, and, and this journey that we'd been on together, and she didn't know me for these three weeks, and I said, can I pray for you? And we prayed again that she would rise and walk, and we began this journey over nine weeks, and just every week I would go back and again, and, and I would pray that she would rise and walk, complete paralysis down her left side. And I went this week, and I showed up this week as she was leaving the hospital. She is out of the hospital. She is alive. And she has prayed and recommitted her life to follow Jesus. She said, Pastor Brad, I've known Jesus, but I have made so many mistakes and so many errors in my life. And I said, he wants to bring you back home. And not only that, he wants you to rise and walk. And what's amazing is that day the therapist came in, the physical therapist came in, and she was raising her leg, her left leg up like this, and she was like, what are you doing? She had not done that to that moment. She is getting her movement back. And this journey continues. So she goes home from the hospital, and she needs a wheelchair because she's got paralysis on her left side, and some of you probably saw that on social media. And I heard this week from a member of our church from 10 years ago, that lives down in Dallas, Texas, said, I've heard the story. My father-in-law passed away. He has an electric wheelchair. Do you still need one? I said, absolutely. And so they brought it up this week. We, we got it to her. And David, the guy you saw with the sign, he sent me a picture just yesterday of this. This is her on the city bus, her first outing into the city. This is amazing what is happening in her life. And we need to rejoice right now and give God honor. She, she said to me, and this was hard for me to hear because I just don't like getting any kind of credit, and she said to me over and over again, she said it once, she said it a dozen times, she said, I'm alive today because you prayed for me. I'm alive today because you prayed for me. And i like, no, God healed you. God healed you. And I'm deflecting it, you know, as we should. God should receive the glory for the healing. But she said, no, no, you came. You came every week, and you prayed for me, and I left the hospital, and I know I'm going to walk again. I know I'm going to rise and walk. That's her journey. You know, all throughout this series, we've been hearing these stories, these inspiring stories from our, our own people to the I Like Giving videos that we've seen. And here's what I believe today is that God has a story for you. See, these stories that we're telling, they're not just isolated and for just a few choice people. God has a story for you, and he has a story for me. He is inviting us into a story. That's what divine detours are. That's what happened for Peter and John. They have a story because they were invited into a divine detour. Look with me again at Acts 3.1. It says this, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. Here's what I want you to know. Divine detours always take place on the way to something important. You're always on your way to something important. That's why they call it a detour. And God shows up, and think of Peter and John. Don't pass over this. They're on their way to church 
Not just church, okay? Like, you and I, it's optional, right? I mean, you can come. You, I, may, I might come this week. I might not come next week. I don't know. I'll figure out. I feel good. I don't feel good. Well, for Peter and John, they were raised, and they, they were Jewish, and they continued to practice the traditions of the Jewish faith. And every day, if you were Jewish, you went to the temple at 3 o'clock. It wasn't optional. That's what you did. This was a pretty important thing for them. And so they're on their way, and this is where it takes place, their divine detour. Giving is never convenient. It, it never seems to come at an opportune time, does it? I mean, you, you never find yourself saying, you know, I, I've got a few minutes to kill. I wonder who I could help. We never say that. Or maybe you do, but I don't. I think, oh, I'll check out my social media. But I don't, I don't think, hey, I've got to help someone. I've always usually got this, you know, man, I would love to help, but I'm really... Yeah, busy. I'm really busy. I mean, but because here's the thing about divine detours. Divine detours, they take time. They take energy. Many times you don't have the desire, if you're honest, to, to do that. But you, but you know instinctively, deep down inside, it's, it's, the, it's the right thing to do. It's like you're on your way to an appointment, you're going to an appointment, and all the traffic starts backing up. You ever been there? Traffic's backing up. You're like, what's going on? I'm late to this appointment. What's going on? And then you look, and everybody's merging into one lane, and there's a stalled car, and everybody, as they're going around them, are honking at the person, like, what are you doing? And as you come around them, you're like, oh, man, that's terrible. Their car broke down. But I'm late for an appointment, and I'd love to stop, but I'm busy. Or you come out of a store, you, you, you just get off work, and you got to run to the store real quick, grab some things, and before you head home to eat dinner with your, with your family, and, and you come out of the store, and you see like an elderly person, and they've got this huge basket full of groceries, and they're loading heavy things into their car, and you're like, man, I probably should stop and help them, but I, I'm really busy. If you're taking notes, write this down. If I'm too busy to help people, I'm too busy. If I'm too busy to help people, I'm too busy. Turn, turn the person sitting next to you and tell them, you're not that busy. Yeah. Think about this. If Peter and John, if Peter and John had walked by, there, there would be no story. This is what happens to us. We pass by someone on the way to something that's important. And we miss the opportunity for a story. If Peter and John had done that, it would have read like this. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service, chapter 4. That's what would have happened. But they didn't. Think about Jesus and his life. Jesus constantly inconvenienced. Always on his way, had some important things to do, but he was always constantly inconvenienced and, and interrupted. But for some reason, Jesus, he would always stop, and he, he would always help someone. And I think sometimes what we have is that we have a misinterpretation or a misperception of who Jesus is, because we'd be like, well, of course Jesus stopped. I mean, what else has he got to do? I mean, he's just kind of wandering around the hillside. Skipping through the lilies of the valley. He doesn't have much to do. Okay, he's just looking for stuff to do. This, no, if you look at the scriptures and you study the scriptures of Jesus' life, the crowds were constantly pressing on him. 
constantly wanted his attention. Then he's, gonna, he's teaching at the temple. So he's got to prepare talks to go to the temple. And then he's got a rabbi, and he's got to work with these 12 disciples and raise them up. Oh, and then in the meantime, there's people that, that need to be healed. And oh, yeah, you, you, he's a carpenter as well. Jesus was busy. You, you never see any story in Jesus where somebody asks for his attention in Scripture, and he says, oh, man, hey, I'd love to help, but I'm... I mean, I, I gotta, I, I'm, I gotta, I gotta teach at the temple, and uh, I got a little uh, session I gotta do with Peter and John later, and the Smiths need their cabinets by Tuesday. So, I, I can't help you. I'd love to help. No, Jesus never said that. But so many times we get wrapped up in our world and what's important to us, and life quickly begins to revolve around me. This thing I know, too, is a story that is all about me is really not that interesting or inspiring of a story. If it's all about me, it's not really that important. Stories of generosity, though, are the ones that inspire us. Those, those are the stories that, that get us, those people who, who give unselfishly, where the story doesn't revolve around them, but, it, but it, it revolves around them and what they've done to help someone because they were busy, but, but they decided to stop. Now, let's just, let's just address uh, an issue that I think many people deal with is <laughs> there are so many needs out there, aren't there? I mean, you, which one is my divine detour? How, how do I know this is the one? Because let's be honest, we have important things to do, right? I mean, there are things that require our attention. Jesus had important things to do, and there are times where we do have to keep moving, and there are times that God's not calling us to stop for that particular need, but then there's times that he does want us. How do I know? Brad Formsma calls it the nudge. I like that, the nudge. Here's what the nudge is. The nudge is when you come by somebody in need and all of a sudden you have this kind of inner prompting from the Holy Spirit that somebody should do something about that. And then all of a sudden you have this feeling that maybe deep down inside I think I, I'm, supposed to, I'm supposed to do something about that. Here's how you definitely know it's from the Holy Spirit when you go, I, I don't know how to help them. I, 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 don't, I don't know what to do. That's that's the nudge. You start getting a little bit sweaty. You get kind of nervous. You want to turn and kind of go the other way. And, and, and you look around and nobody else is feeling like you're feeling. Everybody else is going on by. That is the Holy Spirit and he's nudging you. That's Peter and John. What happened to them? They're, they're going about their business for the day, their daily routine, and then suddenly they get the nudge. Look at verse 3 says, when he, the lame man, saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money, and Peter and John, they did what? Let's say this together. They what? Looked at him intently. Have, have you ever made awkward eye contact with somebody before? You know, like when you're at a restaurant, you know, and you're eating, and you look up, and you're like, hey, <laughs> that person, and you're like, they look at you at the same time, but you're looking at them like, I swear I wasn't staring at you. <laughs> but they're looking at you like, how long have you been staring at me? And I'm like, I ain't been staring at you. And it's just this awkward, you know, that feeling, and you, you want to look away, but you don't know if, you, if I just look away, then that's going to be awkward. So you, you ever do this, give them that weird like, hey, what's up? <laughs> that's weird. Or you give them the smile like, hey. And if you were with your spouse, they're like, 
well, who is that? I, I, I don't know who that is, honey. Oh, you don't know who that is, do you? No, then why did you smile and give him a like that? You don't know who she is, do you? I don't know who she is. It was awkward. But not, not Peter and John. No, they did this. This word intently means they did it on purpose. It means they were completely fixed on this guy. Like they are staring him down. Divine detours are awkward. Divine detours, you don't know what to do, I don't know what to say, so I look the other way. And, and when I look the other way, I miss an opportunity for a story. I think God invites us into the awkwardness. And here's why he invites us into the awkwardness. So that you have to rely on him. And so that he gets the glory. Like some of you have been coming to core church a, a long time, you know me well enough, and you're hearing that... Brad went to the hospital nine weeks in a row. Wow, that had to be the Holy Spirit right there. I, I don't know how you are. I, I go to a hospital. I'm, I'm awkward at a hospital, okay? I mean, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And, and now I can tell you this, like when somebody is, is fighting for their life and, and they're struggling and, and it's hard, I, I can kind of step in, in, into that moment. But like if you've got a hangnail or you're getting your gallbladder out or you're having foot surgery, I ain't coming to see you. Okay, why? Because this is awkward to me. I get into hospitals and it just feels weird. My palms start sweating. I'm just like, I don't know what to do. And every week this happened to me. Every week I'm in my car and I'm, God's like, you need to go see Bertha. And I'm like, oh, I need to go see Bertha. I need to go see I mean, my palms are sweaty. I'm walking in and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Do I pat her? Hey, Bertha. Hey. So how you doing? I mean, it's just awkward. God invites us into the awkwardness. I love Peter. He embraced the awkwardness. It says he looked at him intently. He did it on purpose. Verse 6, Peter said this, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. What? Get up and walk. Listen, church, this is what I'm trying to say. This is what God calls us to, you and me that are followers of Jesus. He calls us to go around and help people rise and walk. That's what we're called. That's a really good place to say amen. amen. Let me say that again, okay, because I've been working up for that one all week, and I just thought you were just going to blow my hair back with that one. As followers of Jesus, we are called to go out into the world and help people rise and walk. Amen? amen. That's our job. That's what you're called to do if you wonder, what am I supposed to be doing as a follower of Jesus? Go out, find somebody, and help them rise and walk. Well, I don't have any money. Neither did Peter and John. Neither did I. It's not all about money. Sometimes it's about a helpful hand. It's a kind word. Sometimes it's just sitting with somebody and encouraging them. Sometimes it's praying with them. I don't know what it is, but it don't take money every single time. Just get out, embrace the awkwardness, and say, I'm going to help somebody rise and walk. Because here's the deal. Divine detours are an opportunity for a story to begin. So Peter reaches down, he embraces the awkwardness, he helps him up, and instantly the guy is healed. Look at verse 8. Look at the guy. This is what happens when you embrace the awkwardness. This is what happens with a divine detour. He jumped up, stood on his feet, began to walk, then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Here's what Brad Forensma said. He says it so well that I want you to see this, and you may want to write this down. When you move from awareness to action, Miracles happen. When you move from awareness to action, miracles happen. 
I, I want to introduce you to a couple in our church that has had a divine detour, a big one in their life. But they've embraced the awkwardness. They've embraced what God has for them, and an entire new story has begun. Would you uh, welcome Jody and Todd Guy? Come on up here, guys. We have a microphone for them somewhere. Oh. Toddy, Todd, Toddy, Toddy, and Toddy gave you a new name. What's up, Toddy? That's just what I, his friends call him. I'm totally kidding. Uh, let's stand over here. Let's stand right over here. All right, so Todd and Jody uh, have been a part of uh, our church for, I don't know, over a dozen years, maybe 15 years, almost the entire journey. And uh, they have had an interesting journey the past few years. God began to stir in them that maybe they needed to adopt. God was calling them to adoption. And so, and some of you have heard this story. And so they, uh, Jody goes to Ethiopia and she visits these two boys that they believe God is calling them to adopt. And sure enough, yes, God is calling them to adopt. And, and so they adopt these two boys from Ethiopia. But that's just the beginning of their divine detour. They had no idea where God was about to take this. Because when Jody was there, she began to see the shoeshine boys. And these are homeless boys, and they're on the street, and they shine shoes for nothing, and they have no food. Next thing you know, Jody and, and Todd begin this conversation. We've got to help these boys. And, and so they open a home in Ethiopia for these boys. And how many boys did you guys take in in the first home? Um, 12 boys. 12 boys and then one um, boy that was um, aging out of a, an orphanage and he was like the big brother. So you have this one, but you're not done. <laughs> and you see more boys and you, what else can we do? And you start a second home and you begin the second home. And so you have a house mom and dad and these kids, they're, they're learning about Jesus and they're, they're getting an education, uh, but God doesn't stop there. Tell us, tell us where God has been taking your, your ministry now. And, well, the, first tell us the name. Tell everybody the name of the ministry. The name is I Am Not Forgotten. And this is not something that you saw 10 or 12 years ago. One day I'm going to start a ministry. No. <laughs> not, not at all. No. T t tell us what. It started similar. Uh, we were, I was praying down here whenever Waraki and Demo we were trying to decide. Or I was, Jody was already there. And I was, and I was the one being kicking and dragging, and mm -hmm. and I came up here and I prayed with Craig Olson, and I was just, Lord, I guess I'm just going to submit and do Your will, and and I just finally got to a point where I was ready to go through the adoption, and I remember uh, getting up from that prayer with Craig. Craig prayed a powerful prayer over us, over me that day, and he <laughs> he goes, "What's next?" And I hadn't even, we hadn't even adopted Waraki and Demo, and I think, what in the heck? You're crazy. <laughs> There's no next. This is going to be it. Yeah. And then God showed us everything about the Shoeshine Boys, and, you know, we had two great boys at home, and we wanted to give back to another, uh, the country that gave us those two boys. So we get, decided to give back and show Christ. So not only now do you have these two homes, keep the microphone there, so not only now do you have these two homes, but now you're branching out. You, you've now begun a feeding program. Tell us uh, briefly a little bit what's going on with that feeding program. Well, we um, 
saw the need. There are so many more boys, thousands and thousands in the streets, and so we couldn't, you know, provide a home for them yet, but we wanted to try to make sure that they were fed every day, and, and so we started a feeding center. We feed about 100 other shoeshine boys six days a week, uh, a nutritious lunch, and they come in and eat, and they also hear about the Lord, because we know that filling their stomach is um, temporary, and that, you know, give them the word of God and show them, you know, Christ's love through you know, be, meeting their basic needs is what we want to do. And I, I love I love the way you say this so passively. And so then we started feeding 100 boys. And <laughs> no. did you guys catch that too? You're like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you just said you're feeding 100 boys. So now you're feeding 100 boys, but then a school, is that right? The school comes to you, and now you're feeding an additional 30 at the school. Is that how I'm understanding that correct? Yes, there is a school in the area where our boys' homes are, and it is a government-run school, and it is the poorest of the poor, and the conditions are horrific, and many of the kids go to school hungry. Um, their family doesn't have enough to provide them with a school lunch, and there's no you know, free school lunch programs or, I mean, you go without, you go without. There's nobody there, and so we are, as our ministry is providing um, a lunch for 35 kids right now and you know we're hoping to provide more yeah and so kind of what we're doing now is we are looking to help this 35 kids get started for school and our daughter Kennedy Guy and Ellie Darnell are wanting to start a they want to they're gonna set up do you want to tell them about that or do you want me sure. to okay. however you want to do that you hold on. To, yeah. yeah. So Sorry, Jody and Todd are telling us, telling me, me this story and how these kids need school supplies. I'm like, wait a minute, we're in the middle of a school supply drive. And they're like, they're trying to raise money. It takes $60 approximately, U.S. dollars, for each student to outfit them with their school supplies, correct? And that gets them like a uniform. and That's a new uniform, a backpack, shoes. What else? Oh, and we're wanting to provide them with a Bible. Mm -hmm. And... That is, yeah, and so $60 will provide all of that to get them started for. So uh, Ellie and Kennedy, they both, how old are they? They're like. 11 and 12. Yeah, 11 and 12. They want to do this, and so um, they're actually next Sunday, they're going to be set up in the lobby selling some things from Ethiopia, some different stuff where you can help to support these kids. Now, if for some reason you're not going to be here next Sunday and you're like, hey, I want to get in on some school supplies for these kids in Ethiopia, it's just $60, and they can give actually on the website, right? Yes. Give everybody your website address. So you might want to write this down, and you can go online, and you can contribute directly to them there. It is www.iamnot, and then the number four, gotten.org. I am not, the number four, gotten.org. That's and awesome. And we have a Facebook page. You yeah. could go on Facebook, and it takes you to the link to the website, too. Yeah, can we just so. pray for them? Would you? Yeah, go ahead. Can I read this? this Absolutely. Is, this is from uh, one of the first boys that came into the first house. He, t he texted Jody this morning. I, I knew Jody wouldn't read it, so I, I wanted to read it. And I said, he said, this is from Goshal. He's the, one of the first boys there. His name, Goshal. He said, my best mama, I have something to say to you, for I was hungry, and you give me food. I was thirsty, and you give me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Love you, Mama. 
all the time, every place, you are in my heart. That is from Amazing God. Amazing. Divine detours are an opportunity for a story to begin. Would you just stretch out your hands to them? I want us to pray for them. God, thank you for Todd. Thank you for Jody and their family, their willingness to serve the least, the last, and the lost. Thank you for their willingness to embrace the awkwardness. The un- they just didn't know what to do, how to, what to say, but God, they stepped into that divine detour and said, we're willing to be used for you. Look what you're doing through them. I pray their story inspires many more stories out of our community to be used for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. And give them another hand. Thank them so much. So through this series, we've heard a lot of inspiring stories. So my question is, what will your story be? God is inviting every one of us into this life of generosity and an opportunity to serve and to help and to have our own story. Let me pray for you. Just bow your heads. If you're a follower of Jesus, today is a day that you say, Brad, I I, am. I, I want to commit to living a life of generosity. I want to commit. I, I want a story. I, I want God to use me like some of these stories I've heard over the past five weeks. Would you just pray for me that God would lead me to a divine detour? Raise your hand if that's you. You just, God, lead me to a divine detour. I want to embrace my divine detour. Thank you. Hands up all over the place. Let me pray for you, God, for these whose hands are raised this moment. God, would you inspire them? Would your Holy Spirit fall upon them? I want to ask you in this moment with your hand raised to just say to God, I surrender. I surrender everything to you, God. I surrender my, myself. I give up my selfish desires. I, I embrace inconvenience. I embrace awkwardness. God, I surrender to you today. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus today. I want, I want to pray for you today. Or maybe you've been far from God for a long time and you say, man, I need to come back to God. I, I need to come back to Him. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. God, I know I'm a sinner. I've made a lot of mistakes. But I want to be used. I want my life to count. So I'm asking you today to forgive me. It doesn't matter what your sin or your shame is. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus offers you forgiveness today. He says, hey, if you've been away from me for a long time, like Bertha, and you say, I want to recommit my life to him, do that right now. Or maybe you've never made that commitment to follow him today. Make that commitment and say, I make you Lord and Savior of my life. I confess my sin to you. I thank you that you forgive me. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He did die on a cross. He is risen again. He is living, and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. I believe that today. And I accept that today, and I want to follow him. If you made that your prayer today, I won't embarrass you. I won't make you come up here. I just want to know who you are so I know how to pray for you. Would you just slip up your hand? Today I made that, I I prayed that prayer today. Thank you. In the back, I got you in the back, in the middle. Anybody else, I made that my prayer today. In the middle, I see you here in the front. 
God, thank you for those who've made a commitment today or recommitted their lives to follow you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap for the transformation, the change that he is doing in people's lives. Man, so good.